right, my friends, I'm going to continue with my bike report. So let's pick up. It's day two. It's day one of the ride in the morning. And this is really the one part of the ride that I had actually done some research on. (laughs) My original plan had been to find the marker for where Massachusetts, New York, and Vermont touch in the western corner of Massachusetts. But when Googling it on the map, I saw that this point is actually back in the woods a good distance with no real access roads. It looked like the there was an access trail, but it was on the Vermont side, which would add a significant number of miles to the to the ride and add some difficulty to the trip. You know, I didn't want to necessarily add pathfinding to the uh to my goal of riding across Massachusetts in two days. So, but I was riding my mountain bike, right? So I could probably find a way to make that work. But, you know, looking at it would make the trip really long. It would add some unknown miles, some trail miles right out of the gate. I didn't really think I'd have time to go and figure it out, plot it, explore it, plot the route. So to avoid that little bit of drama and the extra miles, I looked around the map to see what the closest town was to this point, And I discovered this was Williamstown. It's right there in the upper corner and had a hotel that I could use points at. So I was good. So I booked that room. And this, you know, we're probably talking three, four weeks out. I started actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. Getting close. Better make a hotel reservation. So then I started looking at potential bike routes from there, from the hotel over to uh, Cape Cod. And one funny thing is if you do that route, it tries to make you get on the ferry in Boston and take the ferry out to Provincetown. So you have to disable the ferries. Anyhow, <clears throat> um, so I looked at the route by using the bicycle option on Google Maps. And it's a swell tool, Google Maps. If you choose that bicycle option, it will keep you off highways and it'll find any available rail trails and use those as well. So it's really handy for a bicycle. I I use it a lot, and I really like it. And the first pass route, starting from the hotel, was somewhere in the 260-something miles uh, range, which seemed just about right. That seems doable, two days' worth of riding. But unfortunately, Google Maps also provides that elevation profile down in the corner, fortunately or unfortunately. And one thing you need to understand is that Massachusetts is a relatively flat state. We're not talking about Colorado here. We've got rolling hills, lots of rolling hills, but we don't have mountains. We don't have any real mountains. It turns out our tallest mountain is Mount Greylock. And Mount Greylock is only 3,489 feet above sea level. Um, And it also turns out that Mount Greylock is in Adams, Massachusetts. And Adams, as it turns out, is just to the east of Williamstown. So I had, in my hubris, created a route that had me climbing the highest point in the state first thing in the morning on the first day. And I have no doubt that I could do that, but it did cause me to consider. And I decided that it might be a good idea to start on the top of that mountain ridge which in fact would shave about 20 miles off the ride. And that seemed like the reasonable thing to do. My race, my rules, as Mr. McGilvery always says, 
So I really wanted to get out and drive some of the route, but, you know, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. I'm a busy guy, or I convinced myself I'm a busy guy. So an opportunity arose, like they sometimes do, when my running buddy Frank suggested that we go for a motorcycle ride one Friday afternoon, a couple weeks before my scheduled ride. I took him up on it. So on a brilliant August afternoon, we rode the length of Route 2 out to North Adams and Adams and Williamstown, and I checked out the hotel. We did a bit of poking around in the towns. My plan was to ride as much of the bike route as possible on my motorcycle on the way back home, so maybe the first 50 or so miles. Um, but Frank had to bail. Um, I did. I was able to trace the route up and out of Adams on an old two-lane road called 8A. It's the old highway. And I found where 8A and 116 came together in Savoy, Massachusetts, and that's just about the peak elevation. And there's a parking lot there, like a landscaping company. I said, this is a good place to start. And so I rode to that point on my motorcycle and checked it out. And let me tell you, it was not an encouraging route up and out of Adams to this point. It was, a, I don't know, a couple thousand feet of steady climb, some of it quite steep, uh, with no road, no shoulder on the road, bad roads too, beat to crap roads. And in places, the Google route actually routed me through like old hilltop farms on gravel roads, which was quite scenic and everything, but not great for making time on a bicycle. And that reconnoiter, that climb up on out, out of uh, Adams over the steepest, highest ridge in the state sealed the deal for me. And I made a mental note to have my wife drop me off at that high point in Savoy. I mean, it wasn't that I thought I couldn't do it. It just seemed unnecessary to the project. And if that climb had been in the middle of the ride or at the end, you know, I would have thought about that. I would have been more optimistic about it. But given I was planning on, a, you know, more than a century a day, I didn't want to burn all my matches in the first couple hours. So going into the ride, I had trained over the summer basically three to four rides a week with one of those rides being a long ride on the Saturday. And I managed to get my long ride up to somewhere around 70-something miles so I got good data on my nutrition and fluid consumption, especially in the heat of the summer. A couple of those long rides were really hot days. And this is how I figured out that I could carry enough to get through four or five hours on a hot day before I needed a pit stop to, to refuel. On a, on a cool day, I could probably ride all day long on one batch of, uh, you know, that same batch of water and fuel. So going back to the route, talking about the route, since I was shanghaiing my wife into this adventure, I thought I should should at least consider making things palatable for her and looking at the possible looking at the possible routes and where we would end up at the end of the first day, I realized it was close to Foxborough, which of course is home of the New England Patriots who my wife loves. And the hotel at Patriot's Place, as it turns out, was another place I could use points at. And now it was all coming together. So looking at the revised route with the new start point and the planned end point, that gave me about 120-ish miles for day one. That seemed not only reasonable, but right in the sweet spot. So next I had to figure out how long that would take me. 
And since I was riding my old mountain bike, I wouldn't be able to go as fast as I would on my road bike. And I knew from my training I was averaging like 15 miles an hour in those long rides. And doing the math, that would give me about an eight-hour day. If it's 120 miles, 15 miles an hour, eight-hour day. But in training, I knew the routes, right? I knew where I was, I knew what I was doing, and I was pushing pretty hard. So that was my, you know, you would say that's the ceiling. That's the optimistic speed. I didn't want to push that hard when I was out in this ride because I had a long day way to go. I had two days of it, right? And I didn't want to burn out. So if 15 was the top end, what's the worst case? Well, I figured, yeah, if I got in trouble and I slowed way down, I'd still be able to manage, what, 10 miles an hour? And that would give me a 12-ish hour day, which was fine. That was still within the daylight hours because I definitely didn't want to be out in the roads exhausted and riding in the dark. So I wasn't concerned that much about the second day. I knew that part of the ride was pretty flat. And when I got out into the Cape, I would actually know the trail. I would know where I was. I'd be in familiar territory. So on that morning, I got up, got all my stuff packed up, ready, ready to go, loaded it into the truck and uh, woke up my wife. She wasn't super happy about being woken up <laughs> at the crack of dawn from her comfy hotel bed to drive me out to the drop-off. And she got exceedingly less happy as we wound through the old farm roads and up the side of the mountain with me trying to figure out how to get to where I wanted to get. Uh, and finally, as she dropped me off, you know, I'm bubbling with excitement. I was a little nervous, but you know how you are. You're nervous and happy, ready to get going. Uh, but she was in a bad mood, foul mood. From her point of view, I had just driven her into the middle of nowhere and abandoned her. Uh, so I had to stop her and give her that quick speech, you know, something like, listen, your role here is support me, not to bitch at me, <laughs> which seemed to bring her around. And then I was off. And it was a nice morning, nice and cool in the 60s, somewhere around 6 a.m. when I finally launched after 6 a.m., and the first few miles just flew by, literally, because I had started on the top of this mountain ridge where there were these long downhills where I was probably holding 30, 40 miles an hour for miles at a time without touching the pedals. And of course, what goes up must eventually come down. And there were some good sized climbs as well. And for those climbs, you know, those early climbs, I try to take it easy. I try to stay in the seat, use my gears, conserve my energy. My strategy on this first day was just not to do anything stupid. I had looked at the maps and tried to find some really obvious places for my wife to meet me, both for me to find and for her to find. And I settled on a couple of grocery stores in in the more um, heavily populated areas. First one in Northampton, Massachusetts, which was about 25 miles in, and then another one in Worcester, about 77 miles in, and that would give me about three to four hours of riding between each pit stop. And I wrote all this stuff down. I wrote down the addresses, the approximate distances, the times. I wrote all this out for her on a piece of paper, which, if you know me, is probably the most organized I've ever been in my life. I usually just wing it. So that first 25 miles, like I said, was wonderful. Lots of downhill, some interesting back roads. The traffic was light. I was taking it easy. I enjoyed myself. I pulled over when I needed to. I, I stayed hydrated. 
and the earbuds and the phone were working like champs. The phone stayed fully charged, and the nice lady from Google was reading turn-by-turn directions in my ears. I had the phone right in front of me on the handlebars so I could sort through podcasts and fast-forward where I needed to skip commercials. And this is where my first logical mistake got me. With my wife dropping me off and needing to go back to the hotel to check out, she couldn't catch me for that first stop, right? I had assumed that with me being out on the road for 8 to 12 hours, she would be able to just leisurely follow along and take side trips as she wanted, go see things, do touristy things, and still have plenty of time to catch up with me every three or four hours. But this first morning, with her having to go back to the hotel and me flying down the hills, there was no way she was going to make that 25-mile stop. But it was okay. I had her on the phone, and, you know, through the earbuds, we were talking, you know, and she's like, I I can't make that. I'm like, that's fine. Um, So we weren't lost or panicking. I was just like, okay, I'll just keep going. Uh, I had my wallet and my phone with me, so I probably wasn't going to die. At the same time, at the, at this stop, you know, as this, this stop that I was supposed to get got aborted, uh, another wonderful thing occurred. I found a trail called the Norwatuck Rail Trail that runs 11 miles from Northampton through Amherst on this beautifully maintained trail. Uh, Amherst is where the University of Massachusetts is, so it's got this nice sort of New England college town feel to it, and the rail trail is beautiful. It's got this gorgeous bridge over the Connecticut River, and it was just a joy to be spinning along that trail. They even had porta potties. I stopped. I ate some food. I enjoyed myself immensely. Uh, now getting into like early morning, mid morning, and uh, but then you know it's starting to heat up, and the next section got a little grim because I had skipped that stop. Right, so I only had what I was carrying. And my next, uh, you know, my next stop was 77 miles, which was basically longer than my longest long ride, right? So my first stop was going to be longer than my longest long ride. And now the next section through the hills towards Worcester was a little challenging. There's lots of construction, lots of old roads, beat up roads, lots of hills, lots of traffic, bigger roads, less tree cover. And the day was, like I said, it peaked out at about 95 degrees, full sun, and it was hot. And I was grinding those hills in the heat, and I realized I wasn't going to have enough fluids to make it to the next stop. I was losing too much sweat in that baking heat. My energy was good, but I was starting to get dehydrated. So with, you know, another 40 to 50 miles to ride and another long day of cycling the next day coming... I uncharacteristically pulled over to a gas station, convenience store, did the right thing, and bought a liter of water and uh, some ice-cold Gatorade, and I drank all that Gatorade right there and then. It was like mana from heaven, and I filled up my pack a little bit to get me to that first step, first stop, and I was hot. My feet were falling asleep from all all the climbing. I was soaking wet, and my butt was sore, so if there was a low point on this ride, that was probably right in there. You know, so then after my convenience store pit stop, I got back on the bike, uh, feeling a little hot and tired and maybe even a little bit nauseous, cranked through those city hills to where my wife was waiting in the parking lot of that big grocery store. 
uh, drank some more water, filled up my fluids, swapped out two more bottles of Yukan. I was beat, took my shoes off, let my feet air out. It was a welcome respite to, to meet her and sit in the back of the truck for a while. And knowing the evils of spending too much time in the aid station at an ultra, I bid her adieu and mounted back up for the final push of the day. But that whole, uh, you know, the convenience store plus the parking lot there did get me a bit refreshed. So the last chunk was a bit of a grind. I had another 40-something miles to push through. And again, this is all beyond my longest training ride. Uh, But the sun was starting to go down. I was a little worn out, but at least it wasn't as hot. Then two things happened that made the day even longer. The first one was that I lost one of my earbuds. I was screaming down a hill, and I felt it coming loose. I tried to grab it with one hand, and I thought I had caught it and trapped it in my shirt, but I couldn't break with one hand, right? I got one hand in my shirt, one hand on the on the handlebar, you know, going really fast downhill. I couldn't, I couldn't break, but I'd crash. So by the time I was able to slow down and stop, the earbud was gone. I did do a desultory search along the length of the shoulder of the road on that hill, but there was no way I was finding that. It was off into the weeds somewhere. Uh, It wasn't a total loss, though. I still had the left one, and it turns out I could could still hear the navigation and everything else in my left ear. It just was kind of actually nice because now I could hear that, and I could also hear the noises and stuff around me better, so tip for you if you've got earbuds you can wear them one at a time and it's everything still works and you get a better sense they don't they don't block out the outdoors as much it's actually safer so the second thing that happened to me was a detour yeah i was i was watching the map click down i was at that point you know where you're in a ride or a run and you're going okay only 20 miles left and you're watching the numbers tick down right only 19 miles left and and I knew I was right about 20 miles. I knew I was there. And I was like, all right, 20 miles ago, I can do this. And all of a sudden, the road was blocked. There was a detour. It's like, here, take this hard right. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm following this detour. And, of course, you know, the, the Google Maps is screaming at me, hey, hey, get back on the road. Uh, so I had to sort of stop and zoom out. Uh, zoom in and out on the Google Maps and see how I could backtrack around this this uh, detour to get back on the route. And it ended up adding six miles, six plus miles to my day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it happened right towards the end of the ride when I was already sort of emotionally bought in to that last 20 miles. Like, ah, here you go. Let's have 50% more. Um, so I had that maximum emotional impact at that point in the ride. And then finally, the last thing that happened to me Finally, as I was turning into the back parking lot of Patriot's Place in Foxborough, I heard a noise, and that noise was the the loud leaking of a punctured rear tire. And that's right, less than a mile away from where I needed to get to, from the hotel, I picked up something in the back tire. So I rode it until it went flat. And then I called my wife, and I also called it a day. I was tired, sore, and hot, and there was no way I was going to change a flat tire by the side of the road for the privilege of riding a half a mile to the hotel. And I stopped my Garmin. It said 127.78 miles, uh, 10 hours and 3 minutes total time for an average speed of 12.7 miles per hour. So pretty good time. 
Yvonne came and rescued me. You know, I had her take some pictures of me in front of Patriot's Place. I cleaned up, took a shower, and then we went out for dinner in Patriot's Place. Had a, had some pizza and beer and slept well. And, you know, the next day was sort of the, uh, the new frontier, right? What would it be like to get back on that bike in the morning for another, another day of full riding, right? So that's what I, where I'll leave it for today. That's day day one of the ride, day two of the event, and I'll pick up it on uh, day two of the ride in the next episode, if I can still remember two weeks from now or a week from now. But to take you out, I'll give you an update of where I'm at in the in this uh, wide world. Right now, I'm freezing. It got cold today. It's the first day of autumn here in New England. I'm a cold weather guy, but it takes a few weeks for your body to adapt. It's dark when I get up in the morning. Winter is coming. Fitness-wise, I still tread a crooked path. The crooked path. Because there are no straight paths when it comes to fitness. So I think I told you I started a bodybuilding campaign three weeks ago on the 1st of September. It was going great. Really was. Felt strong. My balance was good. My legs had some bounce in them. I would recommend this beginner bodybuilding program. It really is wonderful. Now, a question you might ask is, what's the difference between weightlifting and bodybuilding? Well, that's a good question. I both involve lifting weights. Bodybuilding, though, is lifting weight to shape the muscles. It's sort of lifting weight with a purpose, which I really didn't get until I started doing this program. Think about it like, you know, shading in a picture that makes your features stand out, right? Bodybuilding is weightlifting for muscle growth in specific places, which on my old body doesn't make a hill of beans difference, but it's kind of fun to see the muscles changing shape in a very short period of time due to this focus. So it's kind of fun. I would recommend this program. If you're interested, let me know. It's called Bodybuilding for Beginners, a 12-week program to build muscle and burn fat by Kyle Hunt. But that fun came to an abrupt end last Friday while I was pulling a dumbbell off the rack at an odd angle. I threw out my back. I know, I know you're getting that schadenfreude feeling, huh? Aren't you? Yeah, you're laughing at me. You're thinking, I knew that idiot was going to overdo it and hurt himself. Yep, I'm that idiot. But in my defense, I wasn't actually doing a weightlifting exercise at the time. I was pulling the weights off the rack. (laughs) So there you go. At least a week off. Couldn't straighten up for a couple days. Lots of pain. Sort of crawling around the house. Trip to the chiropractor, who, by the way, was, you know, he's on a first-name basis with me. And, you know, what does it say about us that our doctors are always excited and happy to see us? Speaking of which, my physical blood work didn't turn up anything awful, but, but they did add a note to tell me that my cholesterol doubled in the last year. Yeah, not running plus shitty diet equals bad cholesterol. So I immediately went on a plant-based diet, which I've been on for about a week now. I needed to do anyhow. I was just too heavy, and it's not healthy. 
My plan is to restart my bodybuilding next week. I'll, I think I'll just reset back to day one because I was only two weeks in. And I'll keep the weight light and focus on the form and make sure I, I build up that. You know, it's all about your muscles build faster than the connecting fascia and, and the skeletal stuff. So you gotta you got to give it time to um, to react. And at the same time, the doctor wants me back in 90 days to check that cholesterol. So I will eat, eat blah, 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 blah. I will eat a plant-based diet until then. And most likely I will lose 15 to 20 pounds in the process and they will be amazed. They'll say, this must have been a reading in error because your cholesterol is fine now, Chris. You amazing human. And next week, drum roll, please. Drum roll. I meet with the knee doctor again. Yeah, it's been a year. Maybe he'll have some new ideas. I tell you what, this cool weather makes me want to head out into the woods on a run. If all those things come together just right, I'll end up being a mediocre uh, old guy. Yeah, and I'll take it. As we say, it's all frosting on the cake at this point. The warranty has expired, and there's no expectations except opening your eyes and smiling in the morning. So smile, baby, and I'll see you out there.